Welcome, I'm Moshe Ferber. And I am Ariel Munafon. And this is the Silver Lining Podcast, a podcast about security architecture. Hello everyone, another episode of Silver Lining Podcast. Uh, and with me as always, Moshe. How are you, Moshe? Very good, thank you. Good morning, Ariel. Good to be here. Great. Uh, we are still in the COVID uh, time, um, but still we are working and uh, bringing uh, great content. So... Yeah, so this morning we are going to talk about client identity management and with us is Eric from Hermetic. Hi Moshe. Uh, pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Before we dive in, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and later on about Hermetic. Sure. So um, my name is Eric Gumanovsky. Today I'm the Chief Business Officer at Hermetic. Um, I've been in cybersecurity for most of my life, 25 years. I've started uh, in the Israeli intelligence score. I'm a Talpiot alum. So I've been a career officer for 17 years. After that, I did some work with McKinsey Company in the London office, supporting C-level executives on corporate strategy and things like that. And after that, I moved to the startup world. Um, so this is my second rodeo. My first rodeo was uh, with a company called Signia, where, uh, where I was one of the co-founders. It was a cybersecurity services company. And now we're Medic. And, uh, yeah. You're being modest, so I will say it. Signia was bought uh, by a Singaporean company, uh, I think $250 million, so congratulations for that. Job Thanks. well done. Thank you so much. One of the biggest, uh, I think, uh, this is the time to realize that the future of uh, cybersecurity is in services and not product. I mean, today you need to have product and services combined and not only uh, just the product. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scarcity of uh, human capital in the space is, uh, is critical and therefore services companies are a great opportunity and a great need in the market. Uh, but cloud security is also a huge need in the market. And in cloud security, there are a number of areas that uh, kind of uh, deserve special attention, if I may say. And one is identity governance. Uh, it's an area that has been overlooked mm-hmm. uh, for the past 10 years. The, the first generation of cloud security companies like uh, the CSPM, the cloud security posture management, like Dome9 that was acquired by Checkpoint or Redlock that was acquired by Palo Alto, they focused only on the very basic stuff regarding identity. So making sure users use MFA or something like that, or root user is not being used. Things are kind of part of the very best common security best practices and compliance. But the real in-depth analytics uh, that require to govern identities in the public cloud and preventing real threats to public cloud environments and preventing serious breaches like the Capital One breach that happened year and a half ago. By the way, it recently made headlines again because Capital One was finally fined for the breach, $80 million. Uh, well, it's not a, you know, it's not a large amount for Capital One, but it definitely could be a very substantial amount for smaller organizations. So preventing such breaches is, is very important to look into identities and govern identities in the public cloud. And this is what we are doing in Hermetic. We realize we've identified the space two years ago as uh, a critical need in companies. We actually ran a survey with IDC, the analytics group, and we interviewed before founding Hermetic 300 CISOs and cloud security practitioners in the U.S. And it came uh, as a common denominator uh, when you ask cloud security practitioners what are the biggest risks they have in the public cloud environment. Uh, they all say it is related to identity governance. So security misconfigurations is probably 
number one. But when you scratch the surface and you ask them which security misconfigurations, they tell you this is the IAM, identity and access management misconfigurations, and visibility into what the identities are doing in the public cloud environment. These are the top two concerns of most CISOs today in the U.S. at least. And this is the most advanced market in terms of cloud consumption. Mm-hmm. Maybe the most advanced after Israel, of course. Okay, so uh, putting uh, this into context, everybody talking about misconfiguration, Gartner say uh, 89%, something like that. So on top of that, you're drilling down and you're saying, okay, let's identify those misconfigurations. Some of them are infrastructure and CSPM is taking care of that, but the majority is identity uh, based misconfiguration. Correct. So where, where you give over permissions or a uh, Tell us a little bit more about the challenge itself. Yeah, sure. So there, uh, you, you can look at the space from, from a variety of perspectives. So first of all, it's a common notion today that identity in the public cloud became the only perimeter because it's incorrect to say that there is no networking perimeter anymore, but it's, it is not there the way we are used to that from the on-prem environment. So identity becomes way more important. In many cases, if you have compromised an identity, and that could be a human user that connects to the environment, it could be a DevOps person, person, a developer, or it could be a machine identity. It could be an identity that belongs to an application running within your, for example, AWS or Azure infrastructure, and application is using that identity to access a storage or access a a database. If this identity is compromised, immediately the threat actor gets access to all the sensitive data this identity is allowed to access. This is given. And because uh, we have platform as a service today and many resources uh, like S3 buckets in AWS, for example, could be they're not residing within your network, within your VPC. They are sitting in this amorphous area of AWS, and you can access that resource from virtually anywhere in the globe once you have the identity and the permissions. Mm-hmm. It, it is so easy once you've compromised the identity to access these resources. Therefore, because identity became the only perimeter, it's so much more important to govern it as opposed to what we have usually done in the on-prem realm. So making sure that users and applications have access only to the data they absolutely require, something that we all know as a principle of least privilege is very important. Because to your point, Moshe, if you have an over-provisioned identity, right, over-privileged identity, meaning identity that has permissions that it shouldn't have because... Again, it's not using those permissions. For example, a developer that connects to the environment and all he does is deploy some code on, on some EC2 instance should not have you know, access or the ability to turn down VPCs, for example, right? He's yeah. over-provisioned uh, if he has those permissions. So making sure that uh, users and applications don't have those excessive permissions are not over-provisioned is very important because that what allows you effectively minimize the blast radius of a potential attack. If we take, for example, uh, the Capital One story, right? What did happen in Capital One? And by the way, I have enormous respect for, for Capital One as an organization. They were the first financial institution in the U.S. to make this uh, leap of faith and move all their infrastructure to the public cloud. And the industry today where it is uh, was a lot great, thanks to uh, the, this bold move that Capital One have done. Uh, but what happened to them, they had an application sitting in their uh, AWS account. This application, like every good application, had a vulnerability. And at some point in time, it was compromised. It was scanned by an external threat actor. There was a web vulnerability, SSRF. The attacker was able to uh, leverage that vulnerability and compromise the application. The moment the application was compromised, the attacker effectively owned the role 
which is the AWS type of identity, machine identity, that belonged to the EC2, to mm-hmm. the virtual machine this application was running on. And once it, the attacker owned that identity, he could leverage the per- permission, the credential from, of that identity to access all the resources this identity could access. Mm-hmm. And that included 700 S3 buckets of Capital One within their uh, Capital One uh, AWS account. Mm-hmm. And those permissions were excessive. The application did not need those permissions to begin with. They were there by mistake. Now, if the uh, Capital One would have been able to implement the principle of list privilege, understand that this identity is over-provisioned, and remove those permissions, clearly the blast radius of the attack would have stopped at that specific compromised EC2. Mm -hmm. Now, we have those discussions with our customers all the time. They tell us, look, we have those minor incidents where, you know, some attacker comes in, compromises an EC2 in our environment, and puts a crypto miner, right? Uh, And these attacks happen automatically. And and then we, we kind of catch that incident. We and we try to investigate what happens there, right? Like, uh, was, was all the best practice. And I know this best practice from my times in Signia doing incident response. You investigate, you try to understand what did the attacker do. And they, uh, then our customers tell us, okay, all they've done is run the stupid crypto miner that we've eliminated. But if their goal was a little bit more sophisticated, they could have looked around and understood that this EC2 had a role that was effectively administrator on all our entire environment. So they could have basically hold us by our... You know, yeah. uh, because they could actually bring our entire infrastructure down with just two command lines, right? Mm-hmm. This is very simple. And we would have never known what actually happened because they could have raised the logs. They could have done many things. And uh, that just exemplifies how important it is to govern uh, those identities. And if you look at that from the cl- uh, from the compliance perspective or from the CSPM perspective, even if in the Capital One story, the environment would check out against... Uh, solutions like Redlock, right? Because those S3 buckets were not exposed to the internet. They were mm-hmm. not publicly open. They were open to a, an, an application within the account, which makes perfect sense. Infrastructure-wise, everything was good. Exactly. It's only mm-hmm. when you actually cover deeper and you look at those identities, you look at the permission they have, you mm-hmm. compare that with the permission that they're actually using that you're able to understand that these identities are over-provisioned and present risk mm-hmm. and should be addressed. I want to focus a little bit about those terms. I mean, we have overprivilege. I mean, it has a lot of privileges, too many privileges, and we know the least privilege uh, principle. What are you referring to when you talk about overprovisioned? It's uh, it's roughly the same. Uh, there is no difference. You can say overprivileged or overprovisioned. <laughs> it's some, it mm-hmm. means that someone gave this identity more permissions uh, or provisioned more permissions or entitlements, uh, I think the correct term, the professional term is, mm-hmm. than uh, were actually required. So uh, I don't think there is a real difference. Okay. Uh, okay, so the identity is the new perimeter. We understand how important perimeters. Tell us a little bit how you plan to solve this. I mean, uh, sure. okay, sure. so AWS gives, and Microsoft and Google gives us tools and they have policies. And so where do you fit in? Right. So, uh, first of all, uh, again, those uh, cloud service providers have done uh, tremendous uh, work in giving us access to data and giving us the flexibility. So, AWS was built for developers. So, basically, AWS have done a terrific job in giving the developers the ability to configure every tiny little thing in their environment. Now, this is a blessing, but this <laughs> is also a curse, yeah. of course, because, because uh, and uh, really you're laughing, All right, this is obvious because suddenly the developers now have much more to care about than they used to have in the on-prem. 
and they don't have the capacity to do that, right? They don't really understand AWS IAM, right? They don't understand, look, AWS IAM, the identity and access management, this is a tool AWS gives you to configure access, has, I think, close to th three thousand configurations because AWS has the last time I checked 230 services when we founded our medicates was 214 and the number is growing all the time each service has tens of permissions s3 has 94 permissions that you can assign to a bucket mm -hmm. and also on the service level so of course, the number of configurations is huge. No one really understands that. And you can also uh, look at it from the resource point of view, of from the user point of view, so different policies to different uh, items. Of course, of yeah. course. And, and what complicates that, to your point, Moshe, that you can assign permissions on the user, on yeah. the resource. There are service control policies, boundaries. Again, this is so complex. Now, giving visibility and solving very basic questions like who has access to what in my public cloud environment, even in a single cloud, only within AWS, is super difficult. Of course, if you have a multi-cloud environment with Azure or GCP, that becomes exponentially difficult, right? So this is, of course, uh, this is of course a huge challenge. And this is the very basic question. It's not even a security question, Moshe, so maybe I should take a look at Ariel. This is a <laughs> basic compliance question. Mm -hmm. Who has access to what in my environment? For example, pick an S3 bucket and ask yourself, who can access it, right? This is the basic question you want to understand if you want to protect the, the data in that bucket. Or pick any identity, human identity, machine identity, and ask yourself what this identity could access, right? This is this is the most simple question. And even such a simple question is very difficult to answer. So this is where we fit in. We're a SaaS solution, by the way. We also run on, in the public cloud infrastructure. We connect to our customers via API. So there is no need to deploy anything in the environment. And we collect two types of information. We collect the metadata about the configuration of the environment that helps us understand who has access to what. And we take all those various configurations and we compute, this is a computational uh, uh, project where we look at all those logical statements and we, we compute what actually they result in when you have those various ways to assign permissions like identity-based policies, resource-based policies, boundaries, and whatnot. And so we give a simple answer to who has access to what. So you can look at any user and understand what it has access to or any resource and understand who can access that resource. So this is number one. And we also con collect the dynamic information. And I think this is also a big difference between us and the first generation of cloud security providers that look only at the static environment because this is what you need for compliance. We also look at the dynamic view of looking actually at the actual actions, we translate those actions to the permission they require because a copy action is a read permission from the source and the write permission to the destination, right? So we collect that dynamic information and then we correlate the two. So we are able to, and, and doing that at scale across all the identities and resources, we're basically able to say, look, this identity has access to all those resources. By the way, it has, it's a privileged identity because it has some privileged permissions. So this is one visibility, right? You understand who are all the privileged identities. And by the way, privilege in public cloud is also very complex because it's not like you have write permissions or read permissions. You, you have to look at multiple things. You have to look how privileged the permission is. Mm -hmm. So does it allow me to modify my infrastructure, for example? Does it allow me to read content of databases or buckets? This, these are all different types of privilege, right? Mm -hmm. Then you want to look how broad this permission affects the environment. Can I read one bucket or can I read all the buckets? Can I turn down one VPC or can I turn my entire infrastructure down, right? So it, it, these are different level of privileges. And then you have to look at 
what resources does it give access to? Does some of mm -hmm. these resources are sensitive? Who owns the permission? All that goes into the calculation of risk. But basically, we can tell you, look, this identity is risky because it has those types of privileged permissions and what exactly their types. This is one view. Where, and it's very basic, but it's very difficult to get otherwise. You don't get that from AWS. And, and then... Out of those identities, we can also tell you, look, this identity is privileged. It has all those high permissions, but it's not using any of those, or it's only using a fraction of those permissions. Because uh, you're mapping it to the logs. Exactly, because we're comparing the static view with the mm -hmm. dynamic view. And by blending those together and bringing those together and doing this correlation, we can automatically identify those, to your point, overprivileged or overprovisioned mm -hmm. identities because they have permissions they don't require. And therefore, those permissions pose risk. I see I really want yeah, to ask a question. And about the user, who, who is the user that you are working with? DevOps, DevSecOps, uh, security guys, developers? Right. So usually there are three types of uh, stakeholders that we are engaged with. And I think it's uh, it differs by, by organization. So if we take this, you know, this people process technology framework <laughs> and we try to kind of look, look against that, um, I, I think many organizations have not yet resolved that fully. Uh, so it's, it's, it's different. And, and we can talk about, you know, smaller enterprises and larger enterprises, but there are three types of, uh, of users and, and people we're engaged with. There are, there are cloud security teams. Those are traditionally the most common people we meet in, let's call those uh, medium enterprises, right? Uh, if we're talking American scale, then medium enterprises, those could be, you know, uh, probably the largest customers or organizations here in Israel. But in the U.S., they would be considered mediums. Like uh, think about organizations like Wix.com, for example, right? That's a, it's a sizable organization, uh, probably one of the largest cloud environments here uh, locally, but but globally, uh, uh, so that would be the cloud security team. Then you can think about um, DevOps people because eventually the people that have to do the changes in the environment are not necessarily the cloud security teams. Mm -hmm. Those would usually be DevOps or developers or product teams. And then the, the last group, which is also very interesting in my view, are IAM professionals, identity and access management. Now, why this is an interesting group? Because traditionally, this group was very much focused on applications and human user access to applications, right? They would run, use pro products like CA or, um, you know, uh, SailPoint and, and, you know, those traditional products that would, in the on-prem world, uh, will help you provision users. For example, you have a new employee in the, in the organization. How do you give this employee mm -hmm. the permissions to all the application he has to use. So, for example, SAP, Office 365, you know, those types of things. Class, now, classic identity provisioning. Cl kind of, classic, yeah. right. But mm -hmm. now these people realize that this whole new space for them that is called cloud, and they have, in many organizations, especially in the larger organizations, they have the responsibility for I am in those environments, but they don't understand cloud. And also their tools are not cloud-ready. Exactly. Yeah. Their yeah. tools are not cloud-ready. They're not cloud-native, and the people don't understand cloud. Now, what do they look for? They look for a solution that will help them make the decisions and do the control work they're used to do as IAM people without now becoming experts and, you know, certified AWS professionals. Yeah. So they cannot actually go to AWS and, and look at all these configurations. Uh, eventually, that's what they do because they don't have other, other ways. But they don't want to spend their time doing that. They want a tool that will visualize for them the solution. And this is exactly where we come in. So we give the visibility. This is first. 
for IAM in a very native graphical language for cloud security professionals in an API kind of, uh, you know, REST uh, language and, and for DevOps people with a lot of automation. Then on top of the visibility, we do the analytics. We're able to tell you this identity is risky, this identity is over-provisioned, here you have those gaps, and so on and so forth. And then the last part is, I think, probably the coolest part, where we actually turn the risk into the opportunity. So the risk in public cloud that everything is controlled by APIs and programmatic and whatnot, this is the problem or, you know, a blessing and a curse, right? So we've talked about the curse, but now let's talk about the blessing part. That also allows us to automatically look at those over-provisioned identities and right-size their permissions to the exact uh, usage, to align the permission they have with their exact activities in the environment. Now, for human users, this is a little bit more challenging because people tend to be a little bit more sporadic in their behavior. That's where we have a very advanced analytics capability. And, and I'm grateful, uh, um, you know, and I'm blessed to have co-founders that have done that in their in their previous company. So uh, two of my co-founders, uh, Michael and Sivan, were part of the founding team of Alrado. Sivan was the first employee and Michael was the co-founder and, and VP R&D, later acquired by Microsoft. And what Alrado was, was basically an analytics solution for uh, to protect the Active Directory, right? Again, identity, environment, on-prem against identity-related threats. And, and they've built a lot of analytics there, and so they come with a lot of knowledge how to do that and adjust that to the cloud environment. Uh, so um, I, I think well, I'm kind of we're, we're lucky in, in, the, in that perspective that we can leverage that knowledge and that experience to solve this problem. So we're able to take those configurations, if you may, that identities have in the public cloud environment and remove the risk out of those uh, identities automatically. So visibility, analytics, and enforcement. So these are kind of the three areas where we excel. Every time that I talk and we go deep, I understand how it's uh, complex uh, mm. <laughs> to, to adopt. And uh, this, this is really a problem. So, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, it's very dynamic in nature. I mean, traditionally, identity and access management people were used to, you know, map user to a role. But in the cloud, I mean, user is is one thing, role is another thing, but role can be very dynamic. I mean, I can give different permissions if he's coming through this IP address, I can give different permissions if he's MFA'd. I mean, so the role is expanding to multiple different roles. Yeah. And identity and access guys, professional GRC guys, very uh, having trouble achieving this concept because they used to very static permissions. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, when on, on our preparation talk, we mentioned some examples mm -hmm. about how identity and access management can cause serious uh, problems. Let's discuss this um, sure. examples. Sure, sure. So yeah. I, I think uh, we, we in our preparation talk, we touched on, on three key areas, right? So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll start with the first one, which, you know, is very basic, protecting your sensitive resources. So we, we talked a little bit about that right now, right? To protect your sensitive resources, the first step is to understand who can access those resources. Uh, who has the permissions, right, to read the, the, the data, to modify the data, to maybe to turn off those resources, because this is something you can do in the public cloud infrastructure. So understanding that is key. And um, because of the complexity, again, we're now not talking about whether the, these identities are using those permissions or not. We're talking only about the configuration, only about the static part first. Uh, understanding those permissions is very difficult because of the complexity, because of the identity-based policies and resource-based policies and conditions and, and whatnot. So uh, just to give you an example, we, we've been working with an organization, again, uh, um, an international U.S.-based, very uh, very advanced technological organization. All of you have their app. I'm, I, I don't want to tell the name. 
Um, and uh, we were running in, the, in their environment, and we've identified um, a couple of tens of, you know, 30, 40, I don't remember the number, S3 buckets that were public. Now, they were not really public, right? So they would not... Um, if you look at their configuration, it, it did not appear that they were public. Actually, they were, you know, they were very important. The organization made a lot of effort to actually grant permissions to very specific users under very specific conditions that would have the ability to access those buckets, right? They, they really developed a very sophisticated resource-based policy. Now, because those policies tend to be very complex, it's just like code, right? You just write it in JSON, or if you're using infrastructure code, you, you write that in, in Terraform, right, and whatnot, uh, or CloudFormation or something. And, and there was a bug. And the bug uh, basically made the, this whole huge logical ex expression of all these sophisticated conditions turn not into a null, but it's something that uh, gave a very broad access to, to the bucket. Uh, also a very weird condition, but, but pretty, uh, actually very, very, very broad. And no one realized that this is happening. Now, they had another tool telling them there is a problem, but they thought that the tool had a problem. <laughs> right, because they were so certain that the conditions were good. Because if you look at the at the bucket and you say, no, that just cannot be. Uh, there is this very sophisticated condition, right? So uh, it only when our tool alerted on that, and actually we did some work in actually looking at those configurations and and finding the bug that that they recognized the problem. By the way, of course they they remediated immediately. Uh, I I haven't seen such uh, such great effort and performance for in, in a while. Like, was like this because this is also something that you can do in the public cloud. It's very easy to close this remediation yeah. loop, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but that makes um, this problem very uh, very. Um, critical, right? It's it's obvious now that even the most advanced organizations that actually go the extra mile and define very sophisticated conditions can uh, be compromised because of human mistakes, right? And and those will always happen. That's why you have uh, to have a tool that, that supervises that and, and looks yeah. for those configurations. Well, when we build complex policies, you're also bound to make mistakes yeah. at, uh, at a certain point. Of course. Yeah. But, but by the way, a very simple story we had, um, a customer was running our tool and they, they kind of, uh, you can mark with our tool sensitive resources. So they marked uh, keys in the KMS, uh, in the key management service, uh, that they used to encrypt their sensitive databases. They marked those uh, keys as sensitive and then they call us and tell us, you know, Eric, you have a bug. And I'm like, you know, as a startup, but yeah, it's kind of a little bit embarrassing. You always get a little bit stressed. Like, well, well, where is the bug? And say, yeah, no, all, all, all the entire account has access to our, our, our sensitive keys. And I, I was really stressed about that. Uh, so we, we looked at that and we realized that we don't have a bug. Uh, actually, they did not uh, understand fully how complex key management uh, resource-based policies could be and how you have to uh, to define those to limit access. Now, they thought that they've limited access to their sensitive keys, but in fact, everyone in their account had access. So, so uh, and, and again, it's, it's, we're talking about very advanced technological organizations, and if those organizations can make those types of mistakes, consider what would happen with, with average, right? Um, so this is first example. Mm -hmm. Third example is also blows my mind every time I see it, and I... I Today, frankly, I think this is probably the number one risk in public cloud infrastructure is third-party access. Now, we all know those stories, you know, the, the famous target breach from the HVAC uh, supplier, you know, got to their uh, point-of-sale machines and whatnot and credit card information. Now, in public cloud, it's so easy to give a third-party access to your environment. 
And there are so many third parties that you actually want to give them access because they give you so much value. Like we are, for example, a third party like, that gives a security yeah. value. Mm-hmm. There are numerous cost optimization vendors like, you know, Spot, Cloudin, mm-hmm. you know, all these great guys that also give a lot of value. Uh, and uh, many organizations provide access to those third parties. Sometimes they're just doing a trial. Uh, and sometimes they're actually moving them to production. Um, and we have seen various examples. So, for example, we've seen an organization that have done a trial with the vendor like three years ago. And they totally forgot about that. And the vendor has access to their environment for three years, col- collecting their information. <laughs> no one in the organization even knows that this vendor has access. So this is one example. But I think the more interesting examples are where organizations do know that the third party is connected, but they don't realize what level of permission they've granted them. And it's, you know, I've seen a, a situation where a cost optimization vendor has a a policy, a standard policy that goes with the vendor that does not give the vendor admin access to the environment, but there is just one tiny permission within this long JSON configuration file that gives the vendor the ability to escalate its privilege. Now, someone who is not an expert in IEM would never... Uh, would never uh, identify that. You're referring to assume role uh, permission? So, yeah, so it mm. was, uh, so there are a couple, there are pass role and, mm. and put role policy and whatnot. And by the way, I had a customer that told me, yeah, I know this, there is one uh, um, pass role policy and, and we, uh, uh, permission, and we, uh, we we kind of fine tune that to exactly the roles it, it should be. And then I told them, no, but there is another one. <laughs> and, and you've told them it's the other one because, again, people, especially developers, they're not IM experts. They yeah. don't know. And, AWS they don't know and they, they, sometimes they don't care. Uh, of course, problem, of yeah. course. No, it's not a problem. It's, it's, the, it's their nature, right? This is the complexity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, but, but, but think about the risk, right? Those organizations have granted those third parties effectively the ability to have full administrator access to their production environments, right? Think about what that means. Mm-hmm. Now, the vendor is, is okay. He will never do anything, right? But if the vendor is compromised, and by the way, if I'm, a, if I'm an attacker, I go first after those companies because they're connected to yeah. so many customers, right? So it's like, it's like a web, right? You, you, you're sitting in the center mm-hmm. of the web and you're immediately connected to hundreds of customers. And I, like that, I'm, I'm, I'm now admin on all those accounts and I can, you know, uh, I can bring production environments down and, and whatnot. So the, the risk is, is crazy. And I think maybe the last example, which is similar, you can think of that as the other flip of the mm-hmm. same coin. It's not about third parties, but it's about your own users. Now, uh, organizations are, are moving now away from uh, native cloud users uh, because no one wants to manage another set of users. We just talked about IAM pro- uh, professionals. They mm-hmm. hate that. So everyone is moving to SSO, right? Single sign-on. And they're using uh, identity providers, you know, Okta, Azure AD, whatnot. And uh, Moshe, you've mentioned that when a user who is managed in an identity provider like Okta connects to the AWS environment, he appears through a role that he assumes in the, uh, in the AWS account. Mm-hmm. Now, suddenly there is this gap because from the AWS perspective, all you see is the role. But behind that role, there might be 10 or 20 or 100 users hiding sometimes. Mm-hmm. So kind of bridging that gap and understanding from a user perspective, every user, what are the permissions he has in the environment through the various roles he can assume? Or from the AWS perspective, if there was an action done by that role, who is the, actually the user that has performed that specific action for, for good or bad, right? Uh, it's, it's very complex. And this is another area where we come in, right? Because we integrate both with the public cloud environment and with the identity providers, and we correlate and synchronize this information both ends, which allows us to give this end-to-end visibility. 
starting from each user to all the permissions and from the AWS perspective to all the actions of those various users within the public cloud environment. So uh, again, this end-to-end visibility, which allows you effectively govern the permissions and access your internal users would have to yeah. your public cloud infrastructure. Perfect. Yeah, th- those are very good examples. Um, well, Eric, uh, thank you for a, a great uh, chapter. Uh, uh, Moshe will, uh, will uh, summarize. Uh, summarize everything, but uh, your passion and your knowledge uh, about it is, uh, is great. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, you, so uh, trying to summarize all of this, we know that identity is the biggest problem today in cloud. I mean, m- misconfiguration is the problem, but it relies heavily on top of the uh, identity layer. Uh, and this is because cloud identity is very complex. And also, this is the base for everything. As you said, we are, lo- we are losing the networking control. We're starting using roles, identities, attributes, and stuff like this. So basically, what you're doing is, first of all, you vil- visualize the environment. You collect the data, sorry. And then you visualize the who has permissions. Then you're able to map permissions to user to and then I'm able to identify overprivileged users, correct? And then you give us basically the risk scoring. Okay, so basic on my analytics, this is the this is the most dangerous users. Those are the most dangerous roles. Those are the most dangerous entities or risky, uh, I would say. And you give the ability, and you give basically to the DevOps team, and also the GRC teams. I mean, you you have different offering for those. Mm-hmm. Uh, some kind of a, power, a decision-making tool in identify the gaps, correct? Correct, correct. Uh, and this is because cloud identity are very complex and we have resources, but okay, we spent uh, so much time about it. And basically, examples can be uh, access to a uh, forgotten access of an uh, old, uh, old third party. We talked about it also with Mitiga, uh, yeah. about first of all, they forgot the uh, GitHub access uh, for, a long, uh, for a long time ago. So yeah, it's coming back. And also the, there's uh, some kind of a, a gap, or a, I would say a, 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 black, uh, a black curtain around who is using our SSO, and this happens at every SSO, when uh, they're assuming role, and you have no idea who is behind this role. Mm-hmm. So basically what you do is you correlate the logs from the IDP, from the identity provider, and the access logs, so Correct. you can tell this is the user that assumed this role, and this is uh, very, very important, yeah. And on top of that, identifying, again, overprivileged and uh, overprovisioned uh, users. This was a very interesting uh, conversation, and good luck next on. Uh, last words from you? Yeah, so um, I, I actually would like to circle back to the mm-hmm. uh, to the story about the uh, shortage on uh, in knowledge and personnel. So mm-hmm. cloud is huge, growing, and it's brand new. And there are very few people that really understand the complexities of, of the cloud. And specifically IAM, because most of the people that are on the DevOps side, they're not traditionally IAM people. And unfortunately, this is probably the most important element from the identity uh, from the cloud security uh, perspective. So I would encourage every organization to think about their public cloud uh, identity and access management uh, strategy. I would encourage them to understand the risks uh, that are laying uh, around their environment because of IAM challenges that they might have from third parties, from internal users, from sensitive resources perspectives. Um, Yeah, IAM is key uh, to your security. And please do not overlook that. Don't be too focused only on you know your networking security or uh, you know your your endpoint security or workload security protection in the public cloud. IAM is very important, and as Gartner have mentioned in their uh, uh, recent uh, research, 75% of security failures in the public cloud are a result of IAM mismanagement. So. 
Um, and, and, you know, if Gartner said that, I, I would assume the number is actually uh, maybe even higher. <laughs> yeah, but even if they are mistaken by half, this is still a pretty yeah. big number that you need to uh, address. Uh, Arik, if someone mm. uh, wants to connect you or your team, uh, how you can uh, share? Sure. Yeah. yeah, sure. So you're welcome to our website, www.ermetic, uh, uh, with an E, E-R-M-E-T-I-C. dot com I'd, or, lo- I'd look at your yeah got my shirt or or you can or you can uh, contact me directly Eric with a CK RIck ermatic.com uh, feel free to reach out uh, happy to help okay. we also have the details on our web page on when yeah. this episode comes up yeah okay thank you very much uh, thank you for everyone that uh, listened to us uh, keep uh, commenting talking to us and uh, sharing thank you all thanks for having me you 